If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Acts, Acts chapter 12, and uh, I've got several scriptures this morning, and I've got a few pages of notes, and I'm going to try to stick here, because I think that what was given to me was meant for you to hear, and, uh, but I don't, want you to, I don't want you to come this morning just to hear a word and go home. When you leave, I want you taking the word with you. Whatever, the Bible says that the word is life. And it's a spirit. And when we put out the life of God, there's going to be a harvest that comes back with that when it takes root in the proper soil. So if you haven't got the proper soil this morning, maybe you should have been tilling the ground all week and you're fasting but if you didn't take, oh, I got a baby. <laughs> if won't nobody else talk to me this morning, I know the baby will. So I'm fine with that. I'm going to read a pretty lengthy passage. This is something that is very familiar to the church. If you haven't been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard of this before, but I'm praying that its familiarity doesn't keep you away from the revelation that God has in store for you this morning. So I don't want you to go, oh, I know that story, and then you start hearing the words of how you've heard it preached in the past, and oh, I remember the pastor that preached it the day that I remembered it, or I remembered it when I was in Sunday school, and my Sunday school teacher, when she taught it, well, we're going to go a little bit beyond the elementary teachings. So I don't want you to get caught up in just the the night that Peter was released out of jail. But I want you to be attentive. It says, Now about that time, Herod, the king, stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Basically, he beheaded him. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night... Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and the light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. But thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard post, the first and the second doors, they came to the iron gate that led to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel 
departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, (laughs) he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked on the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate. I don't know about you, but if I'm happy to see somebody, I open up the door. She was so tore up and excited that she just left him standing on the other side of the door. And went and grabbed, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you're beside yourself. There's other things that say you're crazy. (laughs) That's some other translations. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Then as soon as as it was day, There was no small stir among among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and found, did not find him, not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And when he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. I think a lot of what we fail to receive or walk in during this life is because it's held captive in our minds. As both believers and unbelievers, I believe that we walk out the reality and the truth that is found in Proverbs 23.7 where it says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And a lot of what you do and don't possess in this life is directly tied to your perception I want to talk about John the Baptist real quick and I've not lost my place I know where we're at and I'll come back but I want to talk about John the Baptist for a quick moment you know John the Baptist in his early 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 years let's say prenatal years to clarify that he was not yet born But when Elizabeth was greeted by Mary and Mary said hello or whatever she did say that John the Baptist leaped in Elizabeth's womb. And the Bible actually says that Elizabeth became filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's funny to me that John the Baptist could have such a revelation at such a young... He was in an unconscious state, if you will, and received revelation of Jesus Christ. He knew that he knew that he knew it was Jesus. There was none other. That was him. 
And because of some issues that came running about in Luke, when John the Baptist is put in prison, he sends two of his own disciples to Jesus and says, you the one? Looking for another. Kind of crazy, isn't it? How you could have such a revelation of who he was that you would even see him coming down by the banks of the Jordan and call out that, behold, the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And now because of circumstance, now because of your reality not being what you think it should be, but rather it's contrary to what you know, it causes you to trip up. Is it you? Or should we seek another? Think about that for a moment. My question to you would be this morning, have you had such a revelation that you knew, that you knew, that you knew that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You've experienced it in such a fashion or a form that there's no way on this earth that you will ever doubt ever again. And then, you fall to the question of doubt. And you find yourself, you may not send somebody, but maybe you go, well, God, if, if that was you, why this? Oh, God, if you, God, if you're truly the healer, I've got to finish it for you, don't I? If you're truly the healer, why am I still sick? Why, why is it I face such a diagnosis? You're the healer, aren't you? The question of unbelief. I believe that many of us that have experienced the revelation of who God is at one time or another, we've all fallen to the questions of this disbelief. I don't, I don't think there's one of us that stands in here right now that has never said, but God if. Amen. Come on, you've been there. Okay, I, I keep forgetting. Some walk with holy garbs on Sunday. <laughs> They've got a special closet over in the corner, and when you open it up, it's like angels go, oh. They sing, and they pull out this white righteous robe, and they wear them to church, and they pretend, and you perceive them to be much holier than they are. Can I tell you something? That without Jesus standing between you and the Creator, my friend, there's no righteous. 
there's none good. Sometimes the only way that we're able to get over any kind of affliction in our life or any other circumstance in our life, one is to recognize it. And we have a problem with even recognizing that we still are in need of a Savior. Now, I'll leave you alone. We've come to know him in such a manner that it has revolutionized their life. But as soon as what we perceive becomes contrary to his existence, we allow our faith to wane under adverse circumstances. Oh, I'm going somewhere this morning. Church, I'm coming after you. I want to take this just a little step further. Let's talk about this group, this group of believers that were radically changed by the experience of who Jesus Christ was. So radical that they turned into the church. You with me? Are you tracking with me? You know who I'm talking about? This few people, they believed and they were so convinced. They were fully persuaded that Jesus was who Jesus said he was. That their life changed so dramatically, they became what we call today the church. And yet, some 2,000 years later, we have the same body. <laughs> the church has now become locked up inside the prison of the mind and has begun to look for another I might spit here in a minute but right now I want you to hear me it amazes me that such a revelation could revolutionize a group of people so dramatically that it would carry on for some 2,000 plus years And all the while, we sit, we've heard spoken of. I mean, we're talking about a group of people that when they preached, lives were changed. We're talking about a people that when they laid hands on the sick, they recovered. We're talking about a people that would pass by people and cause them to raise to their feet. We're talking about a people that would, that would grow the church day by day, that would preach one sermon and bring in some 3,000 people, and then preach another sermon, bring in some 2,500 people. Well, I hate to have been that pastor at that time. <laughs> let it grow gradually, Lord. Let it grow gradually. <laughs> How have we gotten to where we are? With such a dramatic change, how have we as the church come 
to the point we are today. We've walked away from trusting and believing God to do great things in the church. Yes, we have. Listen to me. We've, we've turned away so much so that now we lean into the practices and the preaching of the people leading the house. We, we now have focused and turned our hearts to what is being performed in front of us to be God. You have watched it and you have sat in the complacency of it for so long, you have become calloused. Not only have you become calloused, but we are causing the world to become calloused of who God is. There is no fear of God in the church, much less in the world. Because the world doesn't see the difference now. The world seen a difference back in that time when Peter would go and profess the gospel and their hearts would be changed in a moment. And now we're sitting here, we hear the preacher preach Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, Lord help us, we'll have revival once a year and we'll bring a group of people in and we'll profess the gospel along with the lights and the lasers and the smokes. See, if you came to get entertained this morning wrong church but we will sit and look at that and that has now become our God because we idolize that more than we idolize him the thief has already stolen and we don't even know it oh we're still in church we still have in church We're having church without God's glory. Amen. Because the church doesn't want it. <gasps> we used to pray, God, we need your glory. Then we found out something. We found out that somewhere in the midst of God presenting his glory to us and allowing us the availability to enter in, that not only would the glory bless you, but the glory would convict you. Amen, baby girl, baby boy. Jesus almost got in trouble. Had to look again. Because we don't want to be corrected in our stance. Because we don't want to be divided godly or worldly. We've decided it's better <laughs> that we don't fight, invite God's glory, but we invite an emotional atmosphere. Because after all, the emotional atmosphere, I don't know where God's taken me. The emotional atmosphere feels better smells better looks better it's more inviting than God's glory because we haven't had a full revelation or a full understanding of who God really is because if you did 
his glory wouldn't scare you. Oh, you would have a reverential fear. But his glory would pull you. It would attract you. But yet we've taught such flippant gospel. Such a loose tongue behind pulpits. Now that when we talk about God's glory, we run. <laughs> Don't want any of that. Because they said that as long as it makes you feel good, do it. That's what pastor said. That ain't what this pastor said. With this we have fallen prey to the tricks and the gimmicks of the thief. And the glory of God has been swiped out from underneath your nose and you don't even know it. But yet you're still having church. Oh, you feel good about yourself every once in a while. But I have to say that more often than not, we're fighting just to survive. <laughs> the only way John the Baptist was going to ever get out of his prison was to be beheaded. As we open up chapter 12, we find that James, the brother, had been beheaded. I think there's something here. Something's taken place with this beheading. Whatever a man thinketh in his heart is he. John the Baptist gets beheaded. Here's Peter awaiting his beheading. What I'm wanting you to get here is that the enemy is not after the things which you might think. Enemy don't care about your husband. Not interested in your wife. He doesn't want your finances. Doesn't want your job. I know. He don't want your car. Every time you get in there, you start cranking that thing. That's of the devil because it won't start. He ain't. <laughs> the enemy's after your mind. And he's after your head. The enemy knows that if he can get into your head, you'll mess everything else up. Everything that we step out of in life or step into in life should be done head first. Here, I'll give you an example. If I'm to step into something and I begin to walk that something out and I've not thought of it, I've not, I've not seen it yet to see it. I've not seen it yet to see it, but I'm walking it out. I'm walking it out without a vision. It's going to go wherever it wants to go because there's nothing leading it. But if I can see it before I see it, 
It's got to be made up here first. Do you know it is actually just had a baby? If the baby would have come out feet first, what do they call that? Is that natural or unnatural? Even a baby knows how to go out. At first. Come on, say, Satan's after your mind. How much longer are you going to tolerate him keeping you bound up in the prison of your own mind? Oh, you're sitting here this morning. Pastor, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Well, amen. Glory to God. What are you doing here? But Pastor, you don't understand. I know it's hard to get up, but it wasn't your fault. Pastor, you don't know how bad it hurt. I understand. But it's not your fault. Even in God's infinite wisdom, he, even before the foundation, we all know that Jesus was, he was crucified and everything else, even before the foundations of the, we get it. God specially ordained a place. Out of every other place in the world, God ordained a specific place for Jesus to be crucified. Anybody know where it was at? It all means the same. It's this place called Calvary. In the Aramaic, it's Golgotha. Which both mean the place of the skull. Could it, could it be? God's trying to tell us something. It all starts right here. The Bible said that when Jesus hung on the cross, before he bowed his head and said, it's finished. Upon that moment, the veil was ripped. From top to bottom. Could it be that in order for us to get that breakthrough, because you really know that the tearing of the veil was a breakthrough. It was a breach. <laughs> well, I wish I had some time to stay there for a minute. But the veil was ripped top to bottom, starting to head first. See, only to have a deliverance in spirit and flesh and not in the mind will just be deliverance in part.
because eventually you're going to go back to what you think. Oh, I'm going, I know, it's boring, but I'm going somewhere. Just hang on. If you move out of any season without first changing your mind, you're going to step into the other season carrying materials that you do not need. (laughs) Oh, God. And you will end up building a house in this season like you had in the last season because you can't get it out of your mind. Let's do it this way. married to this man divorce marry this man and treat him like this man uh oh wait a minute that man's not right divorce that man married this man treat this man like I treated this man Because this man was treated like this man. So, uh uh-oh, that man's not right. Divorce this man. Come on, you with me? Are you tracking? Listen, there's a common denominator. (laughs) If you can't divorce your past, you'll live with it in your present and you'll take it with you to your future be not conformed to this world but be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind before God even allowed the men to stick Jesus in the side. Before he was allowed to be nailed to the cross, they put a crown of thorns There's a lot about head. There's a lot about thinking. There's a lot about the mind all through Scripture. Could it be possible that maybe, just maybe, that God in his theology, he was trying to let us know, get your mind right. Man, to be such a phenomenon... (laughs) Man, we, we've got a computer. We're lucky if we can get it to turn on. And the ones that get it turned on, it's still buffering. And it's been buffering. This brings me to my text. 
says the first thing that the angel did was shine a light in the prison. Let's see how I'm going to tackle this one. Light, revelation. Until there's revelation, there's no activation. There's no participation. I mean, you might participate without revelation, but you're going to be just right where you are today because you don't, never mind. Revelation. The angel come in to give revelation. text of Peter in the prison. We started talking about the church. With me? Can we parallel this morning? The church is in bondage. Can we just, for this purpose, look at Peter as the church? bound by change you're saved and you're in bondage there's a difference of being delivered and being free see we get those two confused we think just because we've been delivered from Egypt that we're free Mm -mm. why do you think they wandered for 40 years why do you think they went after the taste again of the leeks and onions because they were still in bondage They were delivered from where they were. Man, Jesus delivered you on the cross. He said, it's done. It's over. It's finished. A lot of the things that I believe that we fight throughout time isn't really the devil that we're fighting because, first off, he was defeated at the cross. Second off, we bring everything else on ourselves most of the time. Oh, and I'm not saying you don't have a fight because if God has put a mandate on your life, which he has, Satan is going to raise an enemy against you. Do you see? We don't believe that no more. We don't believe that we have angels assigned to us. Most of your angels are having coffee breaks. <laughs> they're sitting on the park bench watching birds because you've yet put an assignment on them. See, y'all don't believe that no more. You don't believe that anymore. You've got angels assigned to you. So that comes without saying. Satan. (laughs) Okay, the enemy the 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 dark guy the you know I'm trying to help you out I want to be relevant aren't isn't that what we're chasing now in church relevancy if it's not relevant I'm not going back the day that the gospel stops in your mind and in your heart my friend you've already been lost because the word it's the same. I don't even have to finish it for you because you already know. 
said that he shone a light. It wasn't that this light was magical. The light didn't bring what was already in the prison into the prison. The light just revealed what was already there. Anybody been in a hotel room? Bedroom, your bedroom. Living room? Oh, the kitchen, the bathroom. When you turn on the light, did the light go, oh, here, let's put a toilet here. <laughs> no, it revealed what was already there. See, what is already needed in your life for your breakthrough and for your, for your getting through and your deliverances and your healing, and it's already in you. But you need a light. You need a light that will reveal that which you carry. Yeah, let's, uh, who was I talking about? See, I done got lost. That's what happens when I get too many notes. I just get lost, and then I say forget it, and I throw it on the floor. And then we just go. Some of you probably praying. Throw the notes down. I got to tell you some stuff on these notes. <laughs> this is where I wanted to get into some scripture, Tommy, I think. So I'm trying to forewarn you. Let's talk about Elijah and his servant. Servant walks out. Servant looks around. Servant sees all of these armies surrounding them. Just like you, <laughs> he run right back in. <laughs> all right, man of God, come here. Go out. What's the first thing Elijah does? <laughs> I can see him. Drinking his job, pinky out. And says, God, open his eyes. So that he can see. How many of you know that the light is what to the soul? The eye is the light. God let him see. So that he knows there's more force than there is against us. The second thing that the angel does is strikes Peter. This caught me off guard. One translation says he slaps him. One says he hits him. This wasn't a nudge. I used to think that the way I heard it in Sunday school, yes, yeah, where in Sunday school, hey Peter. I want you to understand this. Here's Peter in bondage in prison, about to have his head lopped off. 
somewhere along the way, Peter decided in his mind, this is reality. See, you've heard it preached the other way. Oh, he was at such peace with God that he just fell asleep in it. I'm giving you a different view. Maybe it was the fact that Peter got in there and decided, well, I can't go anywhere because I'm in chain. Oh, here's a good one for you. I'm bound to this guy and that guy. There's a lot of you that's bound to people that is designed to keep you right where you're at until the Satan can kill you. There sits Peter, chained to his destiny. And like many of us, Peter said, well, I guess this is what it's going to be. <laughs> so we stop fighting. And we lay down. Right in the middle of our circumstance. Sleep our troubles away. <laughs> Haven't left the church. Let me come back to the church. I want to keep you up to date with what's happening with the church. The church has been in such a state for so long that the church now believes what is going on is now actually the glory of God. When Ichabod has been across the doorframe for generations. We're so comfortable. That is our expectation. If you've come here any length of time, you have an expectation of what is going to take place in this service. Got news for you. That's been a change. See, you like, it's comfortable for you when you can walk into the house of God and you know that, oh, well, the pastor's going to open with some different announcements. He might tell a funny just to get us going. And then we're going to have some praise and worship just up on the thing, though, not down here. So we don't get too excited about praise and worship because we, <laughs> because we think it's all about us. Well, most of you don't get here until after praise and worship. Well, you know, praise and worship, you know, you know. Guess what? As long as I got the Spirit of God in me and keeps driving me the way He's driving me, it's probably the way we'll stay. Look, I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna make this thing so easy for you to become complacent. And ride this little wave of Christianity that's going on. I mean, the gospel's not even deep anymore. The gospel is extremely shallow. Turn on the televisions. You can hear anything you want to hear from anybody you want to hear it from. And just to my experience, a lot of it's self-help. Yeah, I watch them too every once in a while because I want to know
look, if I don't know the enemy I'm fighting, <laughs> he's restricted in his movement. And this has happened a lot in churches. We are bound to the traditions of our denominations. We are restricted to our experiences due to man-produced performances. And we hold captive in one place because we have, been pra- we have been positioned between people and processes that have been designed to limit our movement in God. Oh, come on, church. Ain't coming back next Sunday. (laughs) Nope. I was expecting something different. The church has been positioned. Oh, come on, guys. Million dollar answer. Somebody find me denominations in this and come and see me. Come say, I'll write you a check. Check's going to bounce just like your answer. There is no denomination. One body. One God. One spirit. One baptism. Oh, there's one church. (laughs) But we have been conditioned for so long that a pastor will stand and say, this denomination is wrong. You follow them, you're going to hell. This denomination is wrong. If you follow them, you're going to hell. They're playing God with your soul, and you are okay with it. (laughs) Might not be meant for everybody in here. We got Facebook Live. I'm talking to them too. But we have been tied and bound in between people and processes. And we've become so complacent in where we are, where we've been situated, that we just decided, why fight? Might as well sleep. When I wake up, it'll all be done and over with. But God said, oh, whoa, wait a minute, Peter. Uh Uh-uh. Get up. We all need a slap, a hit, a punch, a gouge. A kick? We all need something by the Spirit to wake us up out of where we are. You're dying and you don't know it. Dear God in heaven, Peter gets gouged and slapped and says, You got to get up. God saying, church, you got to 
we've practiced such a religion for so long, it's become the norm. It's become sickening. So much, so much of the church has fallen asleep. We don't expect God to move anymore. We have zero reverence for God. Zero. But pastor, I mean, (laughs) seeing the house down all the while living a homosexual lifestyle. Leading you and you're okay with it. What an abomination to God. What a slap in God's face. I don't care if I get in trouble. Doesn't matter. We either recognize God for who he is or one day he's going to show you and you don't want to be on that side. There's an alternative to everything. I can't imagine any of you. I don't know. Maybe some of you. Walk up in the White House to meet the president. I mean, some of you might. Whatever. All rude and everything. Yeah. Rips in your jeans and your shirts. Uh oh, pastor preaching about. Wearing. I ain't saying that what you wear makes you holy. I'm just saying that you need to honor the presence of who you're in. Anybody ever been to a black tie dinner? Did you wear a t-shirt? See, you got, oh, you got, thank you. You got more reverence for the world than you have for God. I know you don't like me. I don't care. We have got to be careful. of being complacent in our conditions that are unfavorable. And too many of us are. We will live in the condition that we're in Because we've become complacent. See, I was told a long time ago by a leader. And he said, Rocky, it won't be until you're sick and tired of being sick and tired will you change anything in your life. And that, that was profound. 
talking about some leader that perceived themselves to be leaders. Pete Dawkins, anybody know Pete Dawkins? Heisman Award winner, youngest brigadier general in the Army, Pete Dawkins. Worth millions. But not until you are sick and tired of being sick and tired will you change. Church, not until you are sick and tired of being sick and tired of God being trampled beneath your feet will you ever change how the church operates. Oh, would it be a little church? Got to be careful. Got to be careful. When we have been conditioned of something, (laughs) we begin to live it out as true. This is what the Bible says about it. Tommy, go to Matthew 6, 22. If you got somewhere to go, you're more than freely. I'm not holding anybody. I won't hold anybody hostage. But you, you do as you please when it comes to that. 622, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness... Time to get a Luke. Luke 11.35 puts it this way. Therefore take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. Listen, this is what it's telling you. You believe a lie long enough, it becomes your truth. You play sports, you... Look... You can shoot the basketball like David used to back in the day, like you. Or no, he done like you. That's how long ago it was. But you can shoot a basketball so long wrong that you believe it's the right way to do it. You can, I used to tell, man, we used to say it all the time. Practice makes perfect. And Coach Baker said, no, uh-uh, Rocky, hey, come here. What? Perfect practice. Makes perfect. Not practice. Because you, <laughs> you can be wrong and thinking you're right. <laughs> Ephesians 1.18. This is why it's so important that our eyes, the eyes of our understanding be enlightened. This, it's... <laughs> The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Why do you think Paul is praying for this? That people's eyes be open, that their understanding be able to see so that they know. Sorry, got off track. So the angel strikes Peter and awakens him. We've been way too comfortable in a dysfunctional circumstance inside the church. Way too comfortable for way too long. 
and you need a kick. We all need one. Y'all remember Elijah at the brook? You remember when God called him out of a land that was heading into famine and he sent him to a brook and he said, there the crows, they'll feed you. Y'all remember that? Dysfunctional circumstance. Don't tell me it's not. How many of you here eat stuff out of a bird's mouth? Nobody. Why? It's dysfunctional. Another reason why you shouldn't is because they can only give you a piece. They can only give you scraps. They can't give you the whole thing. Why would you want to even feed off? But here's Elijah. Elijah is, he's made home. He's decided that, hey, I'll just eat what the birds bring me. I'll drink out of the brook and everything is good. And it took God to kick him drying up the brook, to make him move out. God is trying to send a call to the church. He's going to start drying up some things in your life to get you to move out of your complacency. We don't like that kind of preaching today. We want to hear, oh, there's hope and joy in the Lord. And there he is. Read your Bible and get you some of that. Read the book of Psalms. It, it will enlighten you. But the church has become too focused on self-help. There's pastors preaching that you can get yourself to heaven. I mean, what are we doing? Listen, that's not the bad part. The bad part are people sitting under that, listening to it, and saying, that's the truth, brother. I'm sick of God being used as some secondhand genie. See, you can have revelation poured into your lap right now. But because you're so concerned of what's going to take place after church or your chicken's going to burn on the grill before you get home, that you miss every bit of it and you're going to go home as stagnant as you did when you came and you're not going to change anything because you're, then you're going to go, well, God, he never said it. And then I'm going to have to give a CD and give it to God and say, play this. When are we going to start taking God serious? Not just a Sunday get-me-up. Not just a Wednesday get-me-through. When are we going to play God seriously? That he is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The one that came. The one that died. The one that rose again. The one that's coming back. When are we going to take that God serious? Not your God. Mm -hmm. 
The angel then raised him up and said, Arise quickly. I'm almost done. He said, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. Put your garments on and follow me. You know, this is the same thing that God told Moses and Aaron to tell the Israelites in Exodus. He said, during the Passover, this is how you're to eat the lamb. Tucked in, belt on, sandals laced. Why? Get ready. <laughs> this ain't the feel-good part of the message. Get ready because there's a shift coming. This is still not the good part of the message. The shift isn't for you. The shift is for the church. Still not in the good part of the message. There is a shift. Live out your Christianity however you deem fit. Be, be mindful and be fearful that you don't get caught up in Scripture and that men done what they thought was right in their own mind. God, this is hard this morning. You have to be prepared for when you're coming out. If the church doesn't get prepared here, it'll never come out of here. How many of you are tired going and getting the same thing every week? Week in, week out. Who, who can honestly say before they walked out of here that the glory, the glory of God, not the glory of man, but the glory of God radically changed their life? I mean, you sat in sickness, you walked out healed. You sat in depression, you walked out free. You sat with anxiety, you walked out with joy. that remained. I don't want to give you a goosebump and let you go out in the first circumstance. You're right back living like hell because you hit a bump in the road. I want God to give you a word that transforms your life. That every time that you get ready to go off a course, that God himself will poke you in the side and it will awaken you and cause you to stand upright. Cause you to be the person that God's called you to be. We talked about not being a leader or not being a follower, but being a leader because there's dangers in following. Be a leader. Be the exception. That was last Sunday. Be the exception. Be the one that 
out of everybody else that's doing something stupid, you're doing something that's not. Be the exception. Be the leader. Don't be the follower all the time. If you're going to follow somebody, follow Christ. Period. There's a shifting in the church and God is sending an angel to strike you and wake her for calling. Calling her to stand up and put on her garment. Tie her sandals. You know why you won't believe that God's shifting the church? Because it's going to interfere with you. Church is going to go too long. It's going to start too late. It's going to be too cold. It's going to be too hot. They don't have a praise team. The pastor's windy and every once in a while he gets loud and stupid. And anything outside of that, not normal, so you don't want no part of it. I'm tired of normalcy. I want to walk in here on a Sunday, fall out in my office, and let God just smoke every one of you before you even get in the sanctuary. I love walking out of my office. Just see y'all just dumbfounded, sitting on couches, just so quiet you hear a pin drop. You can hear a mouse run across a carpet because God's glory fell in this place. And he said, I'm going to awaken you. And we're going to start today. God, we don't want you. We we don't want you. We don't want your glory because it is inconvenient. It's inconvenient. I'm gonna finish up with the three doors. He's running through the doors. Door number one. They go through that door. And it was the door of Herod. Paul told us why. Tommy, if you throw them scriptures back up there real quick. Paul told us what happened in verse 11 of what these doors were. Look. And when Peter had come to himself, nope, go back again, I'm sorry. Or wait a minute, time, sit still, let me read it. Okay. Um, When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate, it swung open, now flip it. I might have been right, Tommy. And when people come to himself, there it is. Now I know this is Peter talking to he. Peter came to himself. Peter got his mind back. I know for certain that the Lord has sent His angel, and has delivered me from the hand of Herod. First door, tied and bound inside a prison. Delivered me from the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the Jewish people. Second door. (laughs) God help me explain this. When God shifts you and it's time to move you, you're going to walk through three. God loves threes. He speaks in threes. He reveals himself in threes. 
He puts his purpose out in threes. I don't need to go through them, do I? You want them? Just remember this. The third stage is always the better. It's always the bigger. It's always the most magnificent. That's why we talk about Paul entering into the third heaven. Not the first, not the second, but the third. Okay, there's three. Never mind. Deliver from the hand of hair. God's, God's first going to deliver you from what you're bound to. Then from the expectations of Jewish people. <laughs> I, I got excited on that one this morning. I almost preached right there. Because guess what? I can't let the expectation of people keep me bound. What you feel that is true and that is right in the eyes of the religious is not my problem. See, your, your problem with religion is just that. It's your problem. It's not mine. I'm not going to go to bed worried about it because you don't believe that we're free in Christ. You believe how you want to believe. I didn't make 117 steps today. Not my problem. I made 3,000. But he delivers me from the expectation of Jewish people. And that third gate, that third door that they went to, they didn't have to open that one up. God initiated it with revelation. Remember? The light. God initiated this deliverance, revelation. Showed light on it. Then he said, I'm going to help you. He reached and grabbed me. He said, now get up. But he was helping. God's always trying to help you if you'll let him. But he said, get up. Get up quickly. Quickly. Put your stuff on. See, if we'll go through them little steps right there alone. When we walk up to this big, gigantic door that has is, that is kept everything in bondage. We won't even have to worry about opening it up. You've got to open it right on up. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to set where you're setting. He doesn't want you to be complacent. Start seeking God. Oh, seek me while I'm able to be found. You're going to wait till you keep playing church. You're going to find yourself in a bad spot. And my prayer is that you don't find yourself in a... I've got to lay between the porch and the altar all the time, make an intercession with you, for you, that God will allot you time that if you are in error, that you can get straight. That if you are in sin, that you can get straight. That's my prayer for you. I don't pray in here that God keep them awake this Sunday. I don't care if you sleep. Go to sleep. It's fine. I wish I could. But I got to pray that God keep them. Keep your hand on them. These doors in your life are just like any other opposition throughout God's Word. 
When God raised Moses, the enemy raised Pharaoh. When God raised Jesus, the enemy raised a Herod. When God raised you, the enemy raised something against you. Please, for the love of God, don't let your enemy be religion and you miss a relationship with Jesus Christ. Please. You practice out your relationship with Jesus however you want to, but my prayer is that that God give you such a revelation of who he really is. Because I don't don't want you to fall under this thing that you've got to do communion 16 times a week to be saved or to bring you closer to Jesus. Because that's not the case, man. We don't need to come up here and bow towards Mecca 55 times in a day. That's not going to get you to heaven, man. Your personal relationship with Jesus is just that. It's a personal relationship relationship and church we are in need of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ if you come back next week I promise I'll spit I might even jump on a chair or something God's This is burning at me. God done something that wasn't comfortable for him. For you. The least we can do is give him the respect what he did do.